Well, good morning, Crossroads. We're going to continue on our series, uh, Everyone Matters, uh, beginning of the new year, looking at our primary goal here at Crossroads, our primary aim, and that is that everyone matters. Uh, some have said it's a lofty goal. Uh, how can you ever get there, but uh, we're going to try, or die trying. How's that? So everyone matters. Here at Crossroads, uh, we strive for excellence. We really do. And yet we're profoundly committed to grace. Uh, a church that's full of grace, passionate about grace. Uh, we aim high, but we understand uh, that we're going to make mistakes. We will make mistakes. We have made mistakes, and that's okay. Uh, overall, I've mentioned uh, last week, this week, you've heard this uh, many times here, that overall our posture is one with open arms. Um, not just uh, receptive of those around us and, and having open doors and, and being inviting, but open arms in terms of uh, receptive to what God has for us. Um, how, I don't know how many times uh, I've, I've found myself in a posture like that of just of simply saying, God, would you speak? I want to hear what your heart is on this matter. I want to hear what you think about this. And, and we are incredibly blessed here at Crossroads to have a congregation of a church that, that has that posture. Open arms, uh, uh, open ears, open eyes, uh, uh, an open heart to hear from God and what He has for us. Everyone matters. It's why I'm here, and I, I believe that's why you're here too, is you're committed to God's heart and hearing from Him. If you take some time and examine the heart of God, you're going to find a God who is very uh, committed and has a very special heart for the vulnerable. Uh, God is a God who has His eyes on those who are on the fringes or on the margins of society. The poor, the widowed, the orphan, the misfit, the outcast. There is truly a special place in the heart of God for those who cannot and do not draw the attention of others. In Psalm 68, says that God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. Over in Proverbs 31, we're called to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves to ensure justice for those who are being crushed. This is truly the heart of God. It's our hearts bending and conforming to His heart. Not us trying to convince God that what we think and what we know and what, what we believe is what His heart needs to conform to and bend to. But it's the other way around. Our hearts bending and conforming. Yeah, there's this word called embossed. And many of you have maybe get um, a, a card, a greeting card that's embossed. Well, it's the paper being set onto something with relief and, and being pressed down on that to the point where the, the image gets copied onto that piece of paper. Well, that's the picture I have of our hearts conforming to God's heart. Our hearts being embossed with His image and His heart. Take a look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. There's a, uh, a uh, version of the, of the New Testament called the Message. Many of you are familiar with this. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, He, Jesus, 
made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. And when he looked out over the crowds, it says his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. His heart broke. The Lord's heart broke, crushed. Just simply by looking and and observing what was going on around him. That's the heart of God. I believe there's a, a need for more heartbreaking. Not that we want to take ourselves there, but I think that's why we need a little more heartbreaking is because we try to insulate and isolate ourselves from those things that will take us there. But if we truly want a heart after God, we open ourselves to having that heart of grace and compassion and indeed having our hearts broken in the same manner his heart was broken. I think it was uh, the founder of the organization, Samaritan's Purse, who um, the the phrase or the quote that, that he's identified with is, may our hearts, this was his prayer, may our hearts, Lord, break with the things that break your heart. That's profound, isn't it? May our heart, may my heart, Lord, break with the things that break your heart. That's our hearts conforming to His heart. The heart of grace and compassion without limit. Everyone matters. And you see, as soon as we begin to limit that or restrict the capability and we, we choke off and we suffocate grace and compassion, we step out of Scripture and I believe we begin to formulate our own Gospel. We, we rewrite Scripture to our liking. We rewrite who God is to our liking. And God begins, we, we make up God as beginning to conform to our image rather than the other way around. All means all. Everyone means everyone. We, when we say everyone matters, we believe that each and every person is created in the image of God. They are important to God and therefore they're important to us. All means all. Everyone means everyone. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive, He gave the right to become children of God. All. Each and every person is important to God. As I mentioned last week, last summer as I spent some time looking over our, our sermon schedule on Sunday morning, what we were going to be talking about and looking at, I really felt the Lord was, was uh, moving me to speak on this subject, Everyone Matters. And, and as I overlaid that onto our calendar, I saw that January was when this uh, series was going to come up. And as I mentioned last week, I believe that as God ordained that He had us speaking and had me speaking about this and had us looking at this during this season. Last week, we talked about race and creed, color and religion, what separates us and what unites us, that we're united in Christ. Everyone matters. This weekend is Sanctity of Life weekend, Sanctity of Life Sunday, and I believe that the Lord ordained this day today for us to talk about this issue in particular, abortion and our response to life, that life begins at conception and and how we are to respond as, as Christ followers You know, statistics tell us that all of us in some way, shape, or form have been touched by abortion. 
That doesn't mean you've had one. It means that, that it is so pervasive in our society that we have someone near to us, if it's not in our immediate family or us personally, we are very close and we are touched by it. I understand that there are strongly held views. And, and at the start of our morning, I want to set a few things, a few observations here. And let me begin by saying that there's no way that I can fully exhaust this subject in 30 minutes. There's no way, and I don't intend to exhaust the subject. I don't intend to get into every nook and cranny or, or, or argument or decision or, or piece of evidence on this subject. I have 30 minutes, and I believe that the Lord has taken me in a direction. I want to share that with you today. That's my first observation. Second observation is this, and it might be a surprise to you, but I'm a man. I am a man, and I understand that I'm profoundly limited to speak to this subject, but yet I cannot abdicate my responsibility to lead and teach what God wants us to hear this morning on this matter. The final thing is I understand that there, there may be some here this morning who may find what I say and, and where I land offensive, but I'm going to speak honestly and to the best of my ability, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I want us to hear from the Lord and I want us to have a posture of, of hearing from Him and hearing His heart. Back in 1990, uh, statistics tell us that in the year 1990, there were 1.5 million abortions in the United States of America. 1.5 million. That was one abortion for every three live births. Get that. One abortion for every three live births in 1990. Fast forward uh, 26 years to 2016, just a couple years ago, that number had, has dropped and had dropped to 650,000. Uh, from 1.3 li uh, live uh, uh, abortions to live births to one to five. Now that might sound like some great numbers, and it is is going in the right direction. But the statistics are still astounding. One abortion for every five live births. That's still 1,800 abortions a day here in the United States. This is something that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is close to each and every one of us. Either ourselves, or a family member, a friend, someone close to us. And there are statistics to go along with. I don't have time to share a lot of those. There's, there's one that is important to know that this isn't a in-the-church, out-of-church issue. Just like it's not a socioeconomic, it's not an educational, it's not a race, it's not... It, it, go past what you think this is about. This is everyone. So much so that... A 2015 Christian Post report said that 70% of women who get abortions identify themselves as Christians. So this isn't an out there versus in here. Everyone. This touches everyone. Family, friends, neighbors, relatives. And when you dig in to things as I did over the last number of weeks, uh, it, it truly is a head-spinning study. I want to state, though, that there are some core beliefs here at Crossroads. For me personally, as your pastor, for us as leaders, as elders, for us as a church. And those beliefs begin with the first one, that life 
begins with conception. Life begins at conception. That is something that we believe wholeheartedly. We believe, secondly, that every human life is made in the image of God and is important to God. Now, when I say that, let me say that that's not just from conception to birth. That's from conception all the way to death. Uh, I, boy, I'm going I'm to uh, reveal something hidden in my past, but uh, in high school, I played in the, in the musical West Side Story, and I had the part as Tony. And if you've seen West Side Story, there's this part where, uh, where the, uh, he and, and Riff, they have this uh, interaction and this kind of this saying and that they're buddies from, from birth to death. And, and uh, it's, it might be a little uh, uh, just inappropriate for church, but they say, um, uh, from womb to tomb, from sperm to worm. You know? So if I can say that, um, every life matters from womb to tomb from sperm to worm. Every single life matters. And, and you, you overlay that belief onto your everyday life. And what that means is that that person who you think is an idiot that you work with is created in the image of God and is important to God. We don't just fight for the unborn child in a, in a woman's body about to be born. We don't just fight for them. We fight with the same conviction for somebody who's 70 years old and has been cursing God their entire life. They are also created in the image of God and are important to God. And if we believe at one end of the spectrum, we've got to believe at the other end of the spectrum. And our lives need to reflect that. Do we live a way that is, is surrendered to God and, and surrendered and conformed to the image of His heart? Or are we working by our own set of agendas? Even those who hold divergent viewpoints, we approach with respect and love. Even on this issue, we approach them with respect and love and grace. And finally, I believe what is equally important in our belief system is that when someone has made a mistake, when someone has made a mistake, when someone has even turned from God, that there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is reconciliation, and there is healing that is available. No one is too far gone. You see, Paul in Romans 5 says that when sin increases... He didn't say heaven shudders and, and, and freaks out and, and, and hires a, you know, an assessment for what it has to do. No. Paul says when sin abounds, grace abounds more. When, when sin abounds, grace trumps it. When sin grows to, to huge proportions, 1.5 million per year, grace abounds all the more. When sin comes in, God's got a solution. I want you to hear someone's story. I chose this, uh, this video clip to help us, to hone in the core of what we're talking about today. This lady's name is, is Candy Gibbs. Um, for many, she's well known. Uh, she actually is uh, from just up the road in Amarillo, Texas. She was the daughter of a youth pastor and now is the executive director of CareNet Pregnancy Centers. I want you to take a look at this video clip. 
Well, I um, was raised in a Christian home. My dad was the youth minister at the small little church where I grew up. And I really don't ever remember a time that I didn't love the Lord and really know um, who He was and uh, really understand even um, His ideas and principles for my life. And it was important to me, it was important to my family. Um, but one of the things that was also an issue is I was very, very shy growing up. And when I hit middle school, junior high age, I started to notice that there was this group of kids and they just seemed to have it all together. And if you were one of them, life was easier and they were the popular kids. And so in my mind, I just decided, you know, I'd really like to be one of them and started to make just little by little choices um, so that I could fit in with a different crowd. And uh, got into high school. My junior year of high school, things are still going pretty well, but I decided I would try out for cheerleader. And I got cheerleader, and I remember thinking then, you know, that this was just exactly how I had hoped it would be. Uh, there were 10 girls that tried out for cheerleader, and only one didn't make it. Uh, so that really says nothing about my athletic ability. But it certainly was a time when I began to weigh what I had been raised to believe versus what I was now experiencing. And I had a whole different group of friends, was going to parties. Um, and again, I would say it was just little compromises along the way. Um, not very long after that, I met this young man. And he was captain of the football team, class president, class favorite, you name it, and he was it. And he decided that he kind of liked me. And at that moment, I thought, you know, this is exactly what I thought would happen. And I wish I'd have done all of this sooner. Um, my parents, however, knew this young man and said, no way, you will not be dating him. Well, being 17 and so much wiser than they were, I decided that I would go ahead and date him, and eventually we would break up, and nobody gets hurt, and nobody really has to know. And so we began dating, and not very long after that, the relationship became sexual. And I can tell you that for the both of us, it changed immediately. Because to him now, it was just like every other relationship that he had had, and he was perfectly fine to move on to the next one. Um, for me, it was very devastating because I had signed every worth the weight card ever printed, uh, knew that sex was something to be saved for marriage and had intended to do that. Um, and when I had not, in my mind, began to rationalize and felt like if I can just stay with him, then that's that would be the best thing. And so the relationship became very dysfunctional very quickly, even to the point of being physically abusive at times. Um, the end of my senior year, I missed a period and went to a pregnancy center. And I can remember sitting there by myself with this woman and finding out that I was pregnant. And she said, what do you think you're going to do? And I knew that we wouldn't choose abortion. I knew that everyone would be very um, shocked and hurt and upset, but we were a Christian family and we didn't believe in that. And so I left the pregnancy center and went to tell Mr. Wonderful, and his response was something like, gosh, sure didn't mean for that to happen, and I hope this comes out okay for you, but I'm out of it. And he was, 
And so I went home to tell my parents. And I can remember telling my dad uh, in the driveway of our house. And, you know, this happened 20 years ago. And no matter how many times I've told the story, I can still feel that same feeling in the pit of my stomach of what it felt like to tell my dad that not only had I been lying and sneaking around, but that we had been sexually active and I was pregnant. And, you know, the thing about it is it's so important um, for pregnancy centers to understand that time is crucial in a situation like this because really no one wants to have an abortion. Um, I heard a woman say once, Frederica Matthews Green is her name, and she says, no one wants an abortion like they want an ice cream cone or a new car, but like an animal caught in a trap willing to gnaw off its own leg to escape. And when people find themselves in that moment, it is just a flood of emotion. They feel angry and fearful and ashamed and just the full gamut. And if a person makes a decision in that moment, it's not likely going to be a good one. And we panicked. My dad panicked because he was the youth minister and we couldn't let people know. Um, I think with issues like sexual integrity or abortion, uh, those of us um, who are the body of Christ, we feel like these are things that happen to those other people. It doesn't happen to us. And, um, you know, it's the other socioeconomic group or other ethnic group or those people that do those things. And it's just not true. It happens in the church and it affects even those of us in the church. Um, my dad and I decided that the best thing to do would be for me to have an abortion. And we drove two hours south of Amarillo uh, and had, had an abortion. And, you know, my dad would tell you, as we sat there that day, there were people everywhere standing against the walls. Every chair was taken. And um, my dad would say that sitting there, he looked around and thought, how can you people do this? but our situation is different. And it is just such an isolating, fearful place to be, and that's why the work of pregnancy centers is so important. Uh, but we did have the abortion, and it really almost destroyed our family. Uh, my parents almost divorced. I, I don't know that I was ever suicidal, but certainly hopeless. Um, for a couple of years until I found out about a post-abortion ministry where I live and attended that class. And that is the most incredible thing that I have done in my life um, because it was an opportunity to admit that that was sinful, that it was the wrong choice, but that God could forgive me and He could still use me. Um, and He is such a redeeming, amazing God. And uh, he certainly has done that in my life and has been far uh, better to me than I could have ever deserved. A redeeming and faithful God. Yeah, God of grace and compassion. I want us to land on two feet today. And uh, the first foot is this one. That's grace and love and compassion. You heard her words, fear, anger, shame, 
like I said, I believe that every person in this room is, is touched in one way, shape, or form by this. But I want to elevate it and say I guarantee there are people in this room, um, ladies, you've had an abortion. And can I, as a pastor, simply say, I'm sorry that you've had to carry the shame. Because, you see, we, as, as Christ followers, we, we say it, but we don't act it. We say that, boy, there's no sin that's worse than another. There's nothing that's, that's too far gone. And we, 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 we promote that God is a God of grace, and yet there's a stigma, and there's this line, and there's, boy, that, boy, you've gone too far. As your pastor, I'm sorry that we haven't created an environment here that's, that's uh, conducive for you to find that God loves you and we love you. And that grace abounds. Grace abounds here. Likewise, you may have paid for someone to have an abortion. You may have been like that youth pastor father who encouraged it. Know that there is grace, healing, forgiveness here. There's no finger pointing. There's no, oh, you and us. There's no, there's no, no. We're all in this together. We're all messed up. We talked about that last week. We're all messed up. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. There's reconciliation. There's freedom. There's life. There's joy. There's a God who loves each and every one of us. Each and every person here. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what He's done, right? It matters what He's done. So here we believe that no sin is unforgivable, no far is too far. This is something that Christ died for. There's healing, there's freedom from guilt and shame and condemnation. That's one foot. That's one place where I want us to land. The second place I want us to land here is that we're committed to life. Seeing pregnancies through to birth that there'd be care, encouragement, support, and nurture. Something that we're called to do. Not just talk about it, but participate in it. Here in Wise County, we're blessed with an organization, Wise Choices Pregnancy Resource Center. I tell you, if you've never been there, if you've never uh, just gone meet the people up there and see what happens there. We are blessed here in Wise County to have wise choices. Uh, there's a, a fundraising gala that's coming up on the 22nd of February. You'll hear more about that. Encourage it, promote it, support it. It's a wonderful, as you heard in the video, a, an incredible first step. Promoting life, commitment to life. Sure, we need to be involved in legislation and government, but more so, we need to be proactive right here in our community with girls and families, 
couples. I think we also need to be talking candidly about adoption. Um, Brandy Milburn and I talk often. Uh, Brandy's our Embrace Grace uh, leader here at, at Crossroads, and a number of you are participating in that ministry, Embrace Grace and Embrace Life. I think we've had uh, 60 or 80 uh, girls go through that program in the last couple of years. But we talk a lot about encouraging uh, young women to uh, consider adoption. But young women can't consider adoption if other people aren't considering adoption too. And if that's you, if that might be something I'd encourage you to pray about. Is that what God is calling us to? I was telling some folks after first service though that, that when God places something on our heart, that doesn't mean we need to do it right today. Sometimes that's the case, but other times it's a, Lord, I want to hear from you. I hear you calling me to this, but maybe it's, it's a not right now. Maybe it's in a year or two. Maybe it's a, but I'm going to wait on your timing. And when you say go, I'm going to go. When, I, when, it, when it's pause, I'm going to pause. So just even letting our minds go to that place of considering adoption doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to have a baby dropped on your front doorstep. But would you consider? Would you pray about it? Just even saying yes to praying about it. Something else that is much needed is foster care. I was talking to Pastor Elaine, and uh, there are in Wise County over 100 kids in the foster system, foster care system, over 100 in Wise County. Do you know how many of those more than 100 kids are placed in Wise County? Three. Vast majority of kids entering into the foster system here in Wise County are either shipped down to Houston or up to Oklahoma. And uh, Pastor Elaine has some information. She's working uh, to, to see how we can get some more information. And if you're interested in, in hearing more about that, I encourage you to, to connect with Pastor Elaine even this week. A huge need for foster care, foster parents, foster homes. I believe that uh, here at Crossroads, we're also called to support single moms, those who have chosen life. Support our Embrace Grace, Embrace Life programs. And even here at Crossroads, we're involved with Child Protective Services and we have a ministry to those who are working to be reunited with their kids. These are those two legs, those two legs that I want us to land on today. I want to invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And in a moment, we're going to have some time of ministry. And then we'll dismiss. But right now, I just want you to ask the Lord. Just close your eyes. As I mentioned at the beginning, open arms, open hands, an open heart. And if you're here this morning and you're feeling the weight of shame for a decision that you made. Hear me that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And just right now in the quietness of this moment, I want you to receive from the Lord. Receive from Him. 
Allow him to wrap his arms of love around you. Just hear his voice right now. I want you to hear truth. Enemy of God, you have no place here in this room right now in Jesus' name. Lies of the enemy be silenced right now in Jesus' name. Condemning spirit from the pit of hell, you have no place in this room right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And as your pastor, I bless you in Jesus' name. Pray a blessing and an anointing over you, over your life. Proclaim in Jesus' name that that chapter is closed. You don't bear the weight of that anymore. Set free. I proclaim freedom over you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking throughout this congregation. As our hearts conform, as our hearts bend to yours. Lord, convict us of the accusatory comments or the the finger pointing, the I'd nevers or I can't believes. Lord, convict us of those times where we feel that we have the corner on the market on rightness and propriety and even piety, holiness. Come, Holy Spirit, speak. May we know your heart. And may we be light carriers, grace carriers. It's in Jesus' name, amen. I'm inviting you to stand. And uh, I'm inviting our altar team to come to the front and hear me. This is not the time or the place to try to figure out what somebody's coming up here to the, for the front for. Are they going to pray about adoption? Are they going to pray about being involved in Embrace Grace? Maybe they've had an abortion. Maybe, they, maybe they've helped somebody have it. Or maybe they've been cured. Come on, no way. 
not in here. That's from the pit of hell. Don't go there. No way. No way. Shame on you. At the same time, I understand how sensitive this is and don't feel like this is the last opportunity because I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to tap you on the shoulder maybe Tuesday and say, it's time to share your story with someone. It's time to find maybe one of the pastors and, and hear me. I'm a man. I understand it. But a lot of great women up here on the, on the altar team my wife, pastor's wives, our elders' wives, or just maybe your life group leader, some, someone here that, that you can come alongside and just share and say, hey, will you pray with me? What Pastor Darren said on Sunday, it, there's something there. Now, I don't have it all figured out, but I just believe that, that I got to do something. That might be Tuesday. It might be a week from Tuesday. It might be two months from now. But, but would you, when you hear and you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, just move? Right. That's for anything. So both of those feet, if, you're, if you need healing, you, just, you, need, you need to know that God's arms of love and, and, and grace and forgiveness are on you. I invite you to come out and step out of your seat and receive some ministry. At the same time, the Lord is, is just nudging you and you know you have to do something. You might even not know what it is right now. Whether it's giving half of your, your, your wealth to uh, the cause up at Wise Choices, I'm sure they'd appreciate that. Or whether it's you know, just volunteering. Would it start right here just with the Lord? What do you have for me? Can we do that? So everyone and anyone is going to be coming up here to the front. And let's not do the, hey, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And if, if that's a, a, you know, maybe a temptation for you, I invite you just to sit and close your eyes. Okay? But let's just turn this place into a place of prayer, a place of ministry. And even if you just want to sit where you're at and just receive, and we'll dismiss in a few minutes here, okay? But I just want us to hear from the Lord, okay? I'm going to turn it over to the worship team, and like I said, we'll dismiss in a moment. So come if you can provide some ministry to you, okay? God bless.